Welcome back to Better Than I Found It, the podcast, All Things College Golf. You're listening to Mike McGraw, the men's golf coach at Baylor. Today's guest on Better Than I Found It is former Sam Houston State All-American golfer, Will Holcomb. Will and I discuss the improbable rise to the upper echelon of college and amateur golf of a small town boy from Crockett, Texas. Will's homespun storytelling ability and his South Texas draw make him an easy guy to pull for. Now, two tournaments really stand out with Will. His semifinal performance at the 2019 U.S. Amateur at Pinehurst and the 2021 NCAA Regional, where COVID almost derailed his team's Cinderella run. I know you'll enjoy listening to Will. Okay, everybody, let's welcome former Sam Houston State All-American golfer, Will Holcomb to the podcast. Will, thanks for joining me today. I appreciate you having me, Coach. It's an honor. Well, you know, um, I know you're not playing right now because of an injury. So I, I want to kind of get that off the table right from the start. Just to, I mean, you know, when a guy that's been a really good player is not playing, you kind of, where's he, where is he, where's he been? You know, cause I know you've played pretty well in, in recent memory here. And I, so let's talk about, first of all, how you played like last fall, you won tour school first stage. Yes, um, sir. You then this spring won an APT event in early April, I think, in Victoria, Texas, shot 71, 62, 68, 70. So that's the guy's game who's in pretty good shape. So, and I know you're 10th on the money list, only playing in three events this year. So you obviously have some good golf in recent memory. When did this injury occur and what kind of injury? And give me some prognosis. All righty. So um, I guess in the late, late fall of 2020 I started just my wrist did not feel correctly it just did not feel healthy it started to uh ache a little bit and so I started I would just really need my whole arm and just try to you know I thought well something's tight and so it's pulling on something and so I just kept needing my arm and then it got collectively worse going into um playing college golf last last spring and around conference it was really really bad I did a lot of therapy at conference and uh so right after conference when we made it to regionals I went and saw the doctor um me and actually there was another guy on the team Paul who had, he had kind of a similar uh injury we literally went on the same day and the doctor was like well I'll give you a shot it's probably just over usage and so he gives me a, a cortisol shot and I, about three or four days later, I back swinging and it's a hundred percent. It feels great. And so, uh, I just don't really think anything of it. I play all the way, you know, through the USAM Q school and then around almost identical time, I was playing an APT in, in Kingwood and it started flaring up again and then collectively got worse and worse. And then, um, when I moved back to Huntsville, I started seeing the trainer, at Sam Houston again. And then we were just talking about it and I got an x-ray and then I got another shot and took two weeks off and just kind of tried to do nothing with it, see if it would heal and then didn't heal. And so I got an MRI the day after my U S open qualifier locals. And they said there was a tear and the doctor said, well, we can do surgery next Friday. And so 
I really didn't want surgery, especially because if anybody else had this injury, they would not do anything. I mean, you would just live life normal. Uh, it might bother you if you played a little bit of golf, but I worked on my house a week, like tore two bathrooms out and was fixing up my house a week before I had the surgery. And leading up the day before I had the surgery, I was laying tight. So, I mean, it wasn't like I couldn't function. It was just whenever my, my hand goes into the ground, it caused some pain. And so uh, I can still play Q school this coming year in, in 2022. And, and so I, I was like, well, then we need to have it as soon as possible. And so I'll be 100% uh, full swinging uh, about a month before Q school. And so I said that that's good enough for me to, you know, to go ahead and have the surgery and instead of keep nursing the injury. And so uh, I had it and it's kind of weird because there's just nothing to do. <laughs> so uh, I've cleaned the cars and watched the house a bunch. So cooked a lot of food for my wife and I, and uh, it's just, I walked the dog a lot more. <laughs> and so uh, it's kind of, kind of boring, but kind of nice. And I'm, uh, I just missed, I missed the competitiveness, you know, so. Well, I mean, the good news is, okay, you're not playing right now, but you're going to be back for tour school. And really, quite frankly, that's, that's a big week for a guy. And now because you won first stage last year, is there anything to get you past anything or are you just going to be at first stage? I get to go to first stage, which is nice because I really didn't want to have to go to, you know, I mean, it's just every layer that you can get past, you want to get past it. So it's just less stress and, you know, maybe it'll help you hang on longer and stand a little taller. So there you go. Well, you know, you're, uh, I'm, I'm glad that you're going to be back to health and I'm, I'm excited for you there and excited that you'll be back at tour school, but you know, your story is somewhat unusual because, and a little bit atypical for modern day golf, because there's not a ton of kids that end up playing high level golf who are from small towns. Some are, but not that many. And you are definitely from small town, Texas, Crockett, Texas. Um, I remember you in recruiting, um, but obviously didn't know you well before. So like, what were your influences in golf that got you started? Who were those people? How did this all come about? Because that, like I said, it's a small town kid. How did that happen? For sure. So um, I'm from Crockett and we have a little nine hole course uh, just out of town. And so my dad had a property he was going to build a house on and he ended up uh, deciding to move out here once they said we're going to build a swimming pool at the country club he's like well that's even better i don't have to maintain it and all that stuff and i wanted to have one anyways and then i think he just realized you know it's a great place to grow up uh and so we moved out here and my parents added on to a cabin that my grandmother owned and they bought that from her and so when you're when you're from Crockett, there's no rules in Crockett. You know, when you're eight years old and you can touch the pedals of that golf cart, you can go and rip and, you know, play golf and play volleyball and uh, swim in the lake and go tubing. And so really I had two friends that were a little bit older than me and we would just play golf and then we'd go do whatever. And, you know, we had just had fun. And um, then my mom in her wisdom decided to, 
look up some tournaments because I, I really didn't do any other organized sports. I think I played t-ball. I ran around the bases backwards and urinated on myself while I was doing it uh, at three years old or whatever. And so, uh, so we we decided that she took me down and I did the little linksters, the SDPGA, and um, I got a medal the last tournament of first year I played. It was the first medal I got, and that, that was just enough to hook me. And I was like, man, I want more of these. And so I played uh, my nine-year-old season and I think I didn't, I got a medal almost every tournament then. And, uh, and so just kept playing and um, I was really, I was, I was too competitive, you know, as a nine-year-old, it literally wasn't healthy. And so I, I didn't play a couple of years and then my sister kind of got into golf and she really was probably one of the biggest influences on me that I don't talk about. She played at Stephen F. Austin, but um, when she was like 13 or 14, her work ethic was just outrageous. I mean, she was just hit balls for hours and just, I'm talking grind. And it wasn't healthy and neither of us practiced the right way, but just that sheer passion of, you know, I'm going to outwork everybody and that's going to, you know, pull through in the end. And so I think that and watching Rory do what he did whenever I was like 13 and I was like, man, where do I see myself in 10 years, you know, at 23 and, uh, and that's where I want to be. And so, uh, and that's where I wanted to be at, at 13. And so, um, just played a bunch. And I remember one of my friend's dads, he told him, he's like, y'all need to play 18 holes every day. And so my friend was like, he's 12. And he's like, we're going to have to start playing the blue tees. Granted, the blue tees are the backs and it's only 5,600 yards, but I was like 10 and he was 12 and his dad told him to play 18. So every day, you know, at 10 years old, we, I would go play, we'd play and uh, play the back tees and, you know, we'd just, you know, try to break 80 or 90 or whatever it was, you know, and beat our best score ever. And so that's really kind of how I got, got really going. So. It doesn't sound like to me that it was any, great organized uh, endeavor it was just kind of all came together right for sure for sure well that's that's unusual in and of itself right there um yeah i think you know to my parents credit they never pushed me at all to play golf or you know i mean they just kind of supported me whatever i wanted to do in it they weren't ever i never was told to practice or uh play or anything you know and so i think that that kind of helped is just like the love i had for competition was really organic and i think uh i think that really helps helps take people a long way for a long time very well said you know uh i didn't know you obviously from crockett but but as you were growing up i was at oklahoma state and then alabama then i got to baylor and really the first time i saw you was I believe at the U S junior qualifying when you shot 71, 67, finished second and you did qualify for that U S junior, correct? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Was that your first uh, taste of national competition, big time coach. I don't know how I even figured out what to sign up for that thing. I would have <laughs> never known about it. If my parents or somebody hadn't told us to sign up, we would, I just wouldn't have had a clue. Uh, so yeah, it was definitely my first taste of, uh, big competition and on a golf course that was just super demanding uh, at Colton River uh, in, in I guess, the Hilton Head area. I don't know exactly where. Bluffton, I think, is where it was in South Carolina. But, yeah, that was that was the first uh, first taste for sure. 
And as I recall, it was about 100 degrees and 100 degree uh, or 100% humidity. That was one of the hottest places I've ever seen. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. it definitely was. It definitely was. So my caddy actually, uh, he was the guy that he was the 12 year old. His name's Trip. Uh, he's two years older than me. And uh, he, he caddied for me there and he forgot my wedges on the putting green or chipping green. And we didn't know we could go get them. And so, like on the first hole, he's, I need a 52 degree and I got to hit this little pitching wedge while he's sprinting back to see if it's even possible. And he's freaking out. And I told him, dude, we'll, fi- we'll just play decent the first round. Then we'll get the wedges the second round and just light it up. <laughs> and so, uh, but we could get our wedges. And so we got them back in the bag and just kind of kept playing and he, he let it go, but it was just funny. Uh, him, you know, watching and, you know, growing together in that in that in that place of just pure confusion on the first hole. Well, tell me this: that had to you probably saw some coaches. I was there. There were probably a hundred coaches there that week. Did when did coaches actually start entering in to your world through a recruiting situation? When did that happen? Oh, you know, coach. I feel like I recruited coaches. They didn't recruit me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember. I wanted to play for you uh, just because I just respect you so much. Um, and I wanted to play for Coach Sands because I wanted to play out in that that wind because I'm from East Texas. I figured if I can hit it, if I can play in the wind a little better, that might help me be a better player. Um, and I wrote an email to Coach Sands, and I remember he didn't get back with me, and that really frustrated me. So then I just, like, kind of poured my heart out to him. I was And I don't even know if he got back to that one. Maybe he did, maybe he didn't. But I literally copied and pasted that email and changed a couple Sam Houston and you know stuff and sent it to Brant and then uh and then he he started getting interested in me so um yeah it was I don't I mean I got a couple letters in the mail I think I got one from uh Southern Miss and maybe a couple other schools but uh but yeah I feel like golf you, you do a little bit of recruiting for yourself if you're not necessarily a top player you know what I mean? So it's a different experience, I think, for each guy. Well, it is. And you came from small town and hadn't really played a lot of national competition. So it would have been probably tougher. For sure. For, for sure. Yeah. I will say this, Brant, before this interview, I called him and, and talked to him just about some things. And he gave me a few ideas. But one of them was <laughs> he, he, he praised your work ethic, which, you know, you're a pretty easygoing guy. Uh, Kind of fun to be around so i always compliment you on that but i truly didn't know what your work ethic was because i didn't coach you uh so i it sounds like to me and your older sister kind of showed you what a work ethic looks like and that's what you've modeled is that correct very much so i think you know i think it's evolved a whole lot i think i learned a lot about that in college and how to practice the right way and not necessarily but like for instance my freshman year and th- and this is probably why coach said that and stuff is like my freshman year I was the first to get there and I wasn't going to leave until dark and I just kind of always had that you know just keep practicing uh mindset and I remember I would I would hit six buckets I had a crate and I'd fill it up full of balls and I'd hit like six buckets of seven irons every single day when I got home from school uh in junior high and looking back I mean no wonder my wrist is uh in the cast (laughs) and sling right now I mean you 
you drive down the road enough, you're gonna have to get some new tires. So um, I, I maybe overdid it on on the ball striking. I probably could have spent a little bit more time on the putting green and stuff. But um, yeah, I just kind of always had that mindset. Like if I can outwork you, then then I can outplay you. But I think it's it's changed a lot with um, just growing up being more mature you know there's there's and being married you know there's there's more need for balance than that uh that instead of that you know just go 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 type uh mentality i know brent is really excited that he got you because he i think you had the all-time lowest stroke average in sam houston history uh you were the first honorable or uh, you were first all-american at the division one level since sam houston's been division one uh, first Bearcat to ever make match play at the USM. I mean, you did a lot of things that no Bearcat golfer had ever done. So I know he was thrilled to get you, but I'm going to, I'm going to ask this too. And that is you did something else that was pretty unusual is you were married in college on a college <laughs> golf team married. That's, that's not a normal thing. That's a little outside the, the deal. So I want, I want to ask you, what are the, what are the challenges of being married? on a college golf team? What are the advantages and, you know, of that? So, and then we'll get to another thing in a second. I think one of the biggest challenges was asking coach. Like I was almost more afraid to ask coach than I was to ask Gracie's dad. Um, (laughs) Because I was just like, I mean, what if he says no, I just didn't, I just didn't know where, I mean, luckily coach is just such an awesome guy, just faithful dude, very wise. And, you know, I, I don't know if he, he wouldn't say yes to every player that asked him that. He would, you know, uh, he definitely dug deep and, you know, had some very good questions for me. Um, and so that was really different. I think um, we bought a house about six months after we got married, uh, which is the best decision I've ever made. Uh, and we were, we're saving we – were, <laughs> we were paying more in rent than we were for house note. And, uh, so that was a challenge though, cause obviously we got a fixer upper and we slept on the floor on a mattress for about the first, you know, two or three months. So I'm doing that while trying to play this start of my spring semester, my sophomore year. Um, and I remember coach one time I, you know, I was just like, you know, he, he'd ask you, how, how are you doing? And I, I was like, you know, just coach, I'm sleeping on the floor. I mean, it's just, <laughs> not comfortable you know i get done with practice i go home and it's dark outside i'm working on the house until you know uh wee hours in the morning then wake up and you know go to school and do it all over again and so um he he told me though he said like you're dealing with these problems in college and you're learning how to be married while you're in college when you turn professional and guys are getting married and they're i mean dealing with i mean having a good marriage is work. And you know, that as, as well as every, everybody who's married. Um, and so, you know, just that learning those things and learning how to be a good husband and, uh, and, and, and grow in, in marriage with your wife while playing college golf was definitely a challenge and it might've affected me negatively some tournaments or the team even. Uh, but, you know, I think, the benefit to that is now it I know how to do it. And so um, it helps me make more money that way. So uh, it's like, you know, kind of the pay now, play later kind of thing. So it just kind of, you know, uh, really developed that. I think the challenge is 
were probably traveling and, um, you know, but other than that, I mean, it really was really worked out good. I think it's a little different, just your, your relationship with your teammates. I, I would say that I definitely, you know, I mean, we didn't, I, it's not like we hung out a whole lot. I, you know, my senior year and super senior year, I had them over and I, even now I have them over for dinner as much as I can to just, you know, open the house up and, you know, talk to them or whatever, be, be a good, be a good friend and alumni. Uh, so I think that maybe helped our team chemistry, but uh, it definitely affects that in, in some way. So, Okay. Well, I actually coached uh, a player, uh, Annie Young, when I was a women's golf coach at Oklahoma state, she was married second semester of her senior year and, and it worked out beautifully. I, I would, I don't think it's a disadvantage. The one disadvantage you had was dancing at your wedding. Ouch. You had a little problem. So t- tell us yeah. about that. Yeah. So I was uh, dancing at the wedding and I took a step pretty like 90% of my weight on my right foot. And I just remember just sharp, sudden pain. And I was like, Ah, it'll go away like a couple days it'll go away and I hobbled around the rest of the night and uh woke up the next morning and my foot just still hurts and I remember uh we we had the reception at my parents house and uh so I like we stayed at my parents house on our wedding night and then we go downstairs and we're like I don't know why we were helping clean up. That just doesn't seem right in my head. Like we shouldn't have had to do anything. We should have been out of there on the honeymoon, (laughs) but we cleaned up for a couple of hours with my parents. And I remember I was just like, there was just my, I couldn't walk. And they were like, you know, I had teas at my wedding and people were throwing them at each other, you know, all my goofball friends and stuff. They were throwing the teas at each other. So I was on the floor because I could just scoot around. I was picking up teas off the floor, uh, sliding around on my butt, but yeah. So it, it was not a, not a, not a good thing. Uh, it's hard to go boogie boarding on our honeymoon, uh, with, with a broken foot. Let me just tell you that. So, well, apparently, okay, that's a bad experience, but apparently it didn't affect your golf too much because you played in a boot in the fall that year in every tournament except for one but you played four tournaments in a row and i think you were top 20 in all four of them and i believe your ranking was top 30 in college golf in a boot how's this possible well the so that was another scary coach moment i thought i broke my foot like i'm not gonna be able to play we have three transfers coming in from from bigger schools i was like goodness this is just not gonna be good and uh and then I thought, you know, coach is going to be disappointed. And so I I go and figure out it's broken. And I, I get a boot and I t- call coach. And, I mean, he was super graceful with me. And, you know, just I understand, you know, well, it'll get better. You can play, you know. And so I was like, I think I could maybe play some. So I tried – we get back from the honeymoon. I try to play. And I'm just not using any hips. I'm just swinging with my arms. and play nine holes at my home course and I, I shot like 39 which is I mean I could shoot 39 one-handed right now uh if I played really well and so me and coach talked about it it's like kind of like we had the same I don't know if we had a dream or what but we both were like I think you could play if I could just get my right foot to turn over because it's my back foot 
Uh, if it was my front foot, I don't know if I could have done anything. Um, and so I go and see coach. And I remember once I got my hips to turn and that right foot to turn over, man, I could, I was like flushing these six irons on in the back of Raven's nest for the Bearcat course now. And, uh, and then I come to Crockett and I play in the, the game and I shot like eight under or something. And I was like, man, I, I'm back now. I can play. And so uh, just started qualifying with the team like everybody else and played well and just kept it rolling in the tournaments. And I think it really limited. I've got a very beautiful brain that thinks about all the different ways to get the ball in the hole. And I think it limited that. And so it kind of handcuffed me in a good way to just uh, make me keep it a little bit more simple and, um, and just, uh, by that time I had already, I had learned, you know, course management and stuff. So, uh, I, I think I was headed in that direction regardless of whether I had the boot on or not, but I, I, I can't believe I, I mean, maybe not played that good, but, um, but I definitely was trending. I had learned so much my freshman year and grown as a player and, uh, course management and just, I was, I wasn't a very good putter my freshman year whatsoever. They called me three Willie, uh, <laughs> all the other guys on the team. So yeah, it's great positive team talk, you know, I'm sure that helped out everyone out. So, <laughs> and, uh, but anyways, yeah, it was definitely a, a blessing in disguise. So you have one final tournament, a fifth tournament that fall. And I think your training room or your doctor released you said you're healed. And yeah, that was, I was definitely anxious after that. He, my boot broke and it had already broken a couple of times. Cause like the straps on it just wore out from, you know, the tension and pull and torque I was putting on that, on the boot. And, um, and I was like, Hey, Dustin, can I please have a new boot? Like just for this tournament. And he's like, no, you're healed. Like you were healed like a month ago. I don't know why you're wearing it. I'm like, Dustin, like, I just, don't want my first round to not be in a boot and he's like well you'll be fine you'll be fine and so i went we went to hawaii and uh and i played without the boot and i played well i i didn't play bad i know that i didn't play bad i don't think i played great but i played i played well and i wasn't uh i, I was after that first round in hawaii i was settled in to no boot but before that on the plane ride i was like who knows what's gonna happen i mean I even brought the boot and I think I've brought like three things of duct tape. Cause I was like, if I have to wear it, I'm going to play the practice round. And if I have to wear it, I'm, I'll find a way to keep it on my foot. Um, but anyways, yeah, I, it was, a. It, I remember I was like fighting with him and he's, you know, obviously a trainer and I'm at a 19 year old arguing with him about my foot. So it seems like that's par for the course for you. Uh, you kind of march to the beat of your own drum. You you're not like everybody else, are you? Huh? No, and I'm proud of it. There you go. <laughs> I love hearing that. Well, so that was a, a different experience, but uh, kind of added to the legend that that is Will Holcomb. But on a real grand national stage, the 2019 U.S. Amateur at Pinehurst is when you came to the your national public conscious, if you will, uh, because you made it to the semifinals that week and you got a lot of airtime. And I remember watching that very well, but I was told to ask you about your golf swing before the qualifier 
for that championship in 2019. Give me that story. I've never heard it. Yeah. So, I mean, I had a, I had a beautiful golf swing coming into Sam Houston. My arms were really low and, um, I, I, as long as I turned really hard and didn't flip, I was going to hit it pretty straight, hit a little cut. And, um, right before the U S amateur, I don't, I feel like we, as humans, we always just chase better. And so I was just trying to work on my swing and get it better, get it better. And I didn't really like, cause my arms were low and then I almost kind of came over uh the top a little bit and but really they were on plane once i came up a little bit and i I would hit it good but i just it wasn't i guess pleasing to the eye and so i embarked on this journey of trying to get the club higher and then bring it lower and so um to do that i basically matthew wolfed it and like at the north south i was doing i was literally taking the club just straight out as high as I could and then trying to shallow it and uh that was part of the reason I got beat by Cooper Dossie like five and four at the north south among among other reasons is I didn't know how to play match play at all and um so anyways I was just fighting this thing with my swing and I'm trying to do too much and I'm trying to change my swing and I play in a tournament uh, just like a for fun tournament over here in, in Crockett, just with some friends. And um, I played horrible. And I was like, how can this, like, how can I play bad here? I mean, it's it's easy. I've played here a thousand times. And so uh, I sent a video to Coach on July 4th. And he says, come see me Monday. So I go see him like two days later. And he's like, I don't know what you're trying to do. Get your arms so high. And so we just start putting like, he starts holding a stick and I just have to make my arms go under it on the way back. And I just instantly pure, just start flushing it again. And, and I feel like swing changes are hard until you pure the ball. Then it's like, Oh yeah, I'm, I can do this. I can do that. I can make my body do that. And so uh, I just got my ball back. And then my next tournament after that was the, was the qualifier. And uh, I go and I get first alternate in the qualifier, but I played really well. Um, and I should have been using my my go-to putter. I was using a different putter. That's probably why I was the first alternate because I didn't have uh, Old Faithful in my hands. And uh, then I went to the USAM after that and, and played great. But the funniest part about the whole story and everything was, and even now Coach will tell you, he's like, when I saw that video of your swing, I was physically depressed and he tells me that all the time. It, it, it made me depressed. I was thinking I'm having a great 4th of July. I'm at my mom's house with my kids and my wife. And, and you send me that video and you ruined my weekend, you know? And so, uh, it's just kind of a funny side story, but he, he always brings that up how he, I made him depressed. Like, what were you thinking? You have gold, you know? And he, he always would tell me that before I went on the, you know, try to be better journey. Uh, and, and he was right. I guess he, he might have said it so much I didn't believe him. You know what I mean? And and so just kind of – we're all chasing that that ghost that doesn't really exist. So Well, can I ask this question? Because you, you kind of gave me your influences early on, but it didn't sound like it was a swing guru involved there. So the golf swing that I like to look at, your golf swing is beautiful. 
uh, it was developed just natural playing, wasn't it? Was it not? For sure. For sure. It was a hundred percent. I was, I was really inside out and my, my senior, my junior summer, right before my junior year summer, I, I won regionals. And I went to state and laid a complete egg and I was just distraught from that. It was probably one of the lowest moments in my, in my golf career. Cause I thought I was going to win state four years like Jordan Spieth. And I was only playing at the three, a level. So it wasn't like, you know, I had to beat too many people. I only had to beat about three players. Um, but I started working with Brad Larden, uh, who was at uh, in College Station at the time, and and he uh, he's a family friend, and he's married to a, a lady from Crockett, Miss Kim. And anyways, he straightened me out. He told me to hit full cuts for two weeks because I was real inside out, but that was just kind of how I naturally played. And then he knew I I could chip and putt, and I had some kind of game because I you know won regionals and I could shoot under par with this horrible swing I had. And so he just told me hit full cuts for two weeks. And then I went back to him. He said, now don't hit full cuts, just, you know, hit, hit shots, hit cuts, hit draws. And, and then, uh, after that, it just kind of was what it was. It never really changed. And we never, uh, really worked on anything after that. We just, uh, well, not too long after that, he ended up moving to Santa Fe. So maybe that's why we didn't work on that much stuff. But, um, but my swing was in a much better, just solid, uh, fundamental state. So, well, it sounds like two guys did two very simple things to get you back to where you needed to be. Yes, sir. Brant Keystick yes, and Brad. Uh, so let's get to the USAM. You've, you're in the USAM at Pinehurst, an iconic golf course, uh, historic. Uh, you know, there's been major championships won there. Um, so it's a big stage, probably the biggest stage you've been on. How in the world did you make it to the semifinals that week? It was a good story, in my opinion. Woo! Well, I think – I had a, a lot of help from above, but I I learned a lot. I played at Pebble the year before in the USAM, and I learned so much just about the nerves and all that. And, uh, and I'd seen the course. I think that really helps. I think if you're – I mean, the pros, they go, they go to the major sites before the majors. You know, they want to see it and get some kind of game plan. I think that's so huge in, in a successful week. And I did that uh, with Pinehurst. I did that – I didn't do that. I did it with Bandon. I went like a week early and then I, I did it again with, uh, with Oakmont. And so I think knowing the course really helped. Um, I, I got through stroke play, um, fairly easy. Um, and then match play came around and I was just getting steamrolled. I got steamrolled by Cooper in the North South and, um, I just didn't know how to play match play. I didn't understand the nuances of, you know, you make them work for everything and just different things. I, I didn't understand the psychological battle that you're you're playing against this guy. I thought you just, you know, if he hits it close, you just aim more at the pin. I didn't think like, you know, just play your game type of type of thinking. And so I'm like four down through ten. And statistically speaking, I think I had a four percent chance to win because the USGA came up with that. I don't know if they their mathematicians were correct, but I only had a four percent chance to win. I was four or five down through ten. And uh and the two weeks before I told I worked the Ben Hogan Cup and there was this girl, she's on the Sam Houston team now, and she she was just like dragging her head and they're playing match play. And I was like, look, you gotta make a you gotta make a decision like right now, like, am I done or am I just gonna start fighting my way back into this thing? And um 
I think in that moment, I was like, all right, Will, like, you got to make a decision and just kind of gave myself a little pep talk. I do that. I talk to myself a lot on the golf course and I try to give myself, you know, like, come on, like, you know, sometimes it's, it's super positive if I need it. And sometimes it's, Hey, like, what are you doing bonehead? Hmm. But I, I just got in a place where I was like, just one, let's just get one, one hole, one win at a time. And so uh, I won 11, I think I birdied 11 and then 12, this guy, he was hitting two shots. He did in a pool or kind of a, a sweeping, uh, like this cut that kind of fell out of the sky. And, uh, and so he's, I think, I mean, he's four up. He's not really worried about anything. I think he's almost trying to work on a swing a little bit on the golf course, maybe. And, um, he just started missing it left one hole in the wrong spot. And then, you know, the next hole, you got to hit an iron off the tee and he swipes it and it goes in a bunker. Right. And then, uh, I, I had him to one down with two to play or one up with two to play. He's one up. I'm one down and 17 is front right pin. And I was praying for that swipe to come in and play again. And sure enough, he left it right there short sided in the bunker. And I hit probably a six iron to back center of the green and two putt in my way to being tied. And at that point, I mean, looking back, I, I was really just trying to focus and do what I knew how to do. But, uh, but knowing match play and what I know now, it's like you come back four shots on somebody, they don't have a chance. I mean, mentally, he, I mean, there was just no, nothing good that was going to happen for him after that. And so I ended up winning and then, uh, kind of, I called Brad Larden that night and I was like, man, I, I don't know how to play match play. And so he, every night I talked to him, but he'd give me a, this is what you do. Like, these are like, he had like five tips and uh, I've got them written down on my phone. I'm not going to share them, but when you're playing match play, you do these five tips. One of them is just for sure. You're not going to give the guy anything. You're gonna make them work for everything. Um, and so I just did that. And I, I think I was on borrowed time with being there as an alternate, I was on borrowed time with being there after a 4% chance to win. And I think just the gratitude and just enjoying the moment really carried me through to beat some really good players. Just being happy to be there, I think really kind of helped. And as the week developed, it was becoming more and more of a story. And before you knew it, you were in the semifinals. Talk about the semifinal match. Yeah. Um, you know, it's crazy. It's like I remember most of the other matches, but I don't remember a ton of that. It's almost like your wedding day. Uh, you're, there's so much going on, you just forget everything else that's around you, you know. And so uh, I, I remember the first hole, we both had like four feet for par, and I looked at him and I was like, good, good. <laughs> and he's like, yeah. And I was like, that's, I mean, we're both nervous. Let's just get it. Let's just, let's just pick these up and then we'll, we'll battle it out on some other holes. And, um, but, no, I, I just remember that. I remember there were so many people around. I remember I had um, two two really good friends came in. They flew in, uh, I think, before my match in in the eight, match of eight, and uh, they were watching me, and they had a – I mean, they were cheering, hooting, and hollering, and I think that really kind of helped. And then my sister and cousin drove in for the semifinal match. Uh, they literally – got there at four in the morning and uh slept all day and then watched 
and then uh, I had another couple friends flying. So I think that just having and then I on top of that, I stayed with a guy uh, who has a house in Pinehurst and um, he had a ton of friends there and I met them and hung out with them kind of all week. And so I think having all those people was uh, that's something I'll never forget more than more than the golf was just, you know, my friends and uh, those relationships that I made that week and just getting to them enjoying me winning and, you know, getting to watch me play and every shot I hit, they were screaming and hollering. And I think that's really, really fun. So. Well, great experience. You uh, got on the national stage and did a really great job of that. And first, first Bearcat from Sam Houston ever make match play. And you got all the way to the semifinals. Pretty amazing. But well, one other. Go ahead. Sorry to cut you off. It's funny. Cause when I was playing, I would, and I won a match. I would tell myself like no one from my hometown has gotten this far. Uh, and I didn't know Sam Houston, but I was just like, I mean, I knew once I got to the semifinals, nobody had gotten that far, but I just kept telling myself, like, no one's gotten this far. Like, and so it's kind of like a little victory getting to enjoy that. And I think, um, I think just really being present and, and grateful in those moments, really looking back, it helped me a lot, you know, and I, I probably, uh, I wish I could do that more and enjoy those those little moments of, of tournaments like that more like I did that week. Something tells me you're going to show a little gratitude when you're at tour school this fall. Just a thankful moment. For sure. For yeah. sure. Well, yeah, and I may or may not have – I didn't never test positive, but I may or may not have had a had a coronavirus uh, at, at part of my, my last – my tour school that I won, so – uh, it's just kind of, I don't know, something about being sick or, you know, adversity. It just kind of helps helps me get up and, and play a little better. Well, let's talk about the coronavirus. You were uh, with your team at Karsten Creek in Stillwater your senior year for regionals. And you opened the tournament beautifully, 70, 68. So you're six under par and second place in the event. And unfortunately, you tested positive for COVID after the second round. And uh, you, because of pro COVID protocols, you were not able to play with your teammates the final round. And their teammates were, you were right in the hunt as a team. So that was shown on the golf channel. It was a pretty actually moving moment when you were up in your, uh, you know, Grant Kieschnick was talking about how you were waving at the guys, go get them, fellas. You know, I'm sorry I can't be there. And pretty emotional. Talk about that day. Yeah. So, I knew my roommate had COVID obviously, or was in the testing process uh, the night before because he never came back to the room. Um, and something that people don't really think or talk about and is just a total blessing to, to me, to the program, to coach uh, was the fact that it was supposed to rain that week. And we played those two rounds that first day because we were going to get tested after the first day, whether we played one round or, or three rounds and stuff. Uh, I got to help for two rounds, and um, I think that really was a, a blessing in disguise that we, you know, we were all, fr- I mean, Carson Creek's no, you know, cupcake to walk. And so, um, but, yeah, that next morning I told Coach, I said, do not let me know until in the morning. I told him this is what time I will wake up and I'll start stretching and doing my, my morning rituals routine. And uh, I was like, don't let me know I'm not playing until after that. And so. He comes in and 
he stands at a distance and we, I don't even know, we, I was crying and he was crying. And I mean, I was just, uh, didn't understand. And, and then he told me like, do not post anything. Like we don't want you to get in trouble. Like if we do make it, like we can still make it the team, you know? And so, um, that morning, I mean, I'll be honest, I didn't think they had a chance. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I, I watched these guys in Laredo four putt holes and just make the stupidest plays off the tees. And I mean, it was just like, so I was like, I mean, I just was like these knuckleheads, but each one of them, I gave them a little something different. I told them something that they were great at because each one of them is very different players and uh, different styles and, I just kind of gave him something, you know. I one of Tingway, he always hits a big draw, and so uh, I was just like Tingway, you know, just just sling the draw today. Don't worry about, you know, just, just play your game. You know, don't try to do anything extra. And uh, I told Luis, I know I told him, I was like, Luis, you're probably the most clutch guy I've ever met. So just go be clutch today, you know. And uh, Paul, I was like, just hit your driver everywhere because he hits it really far and really straight. And, uh, I told Grayson, I was like, just, just be yourself, you know, don't, don't, don't try to do too much. Cause he's just a really phenomenal ball striker. And, and then they, they went out and did it. And I, I mean, I, my parents were like, what are we supposed to do? I said, well, go watch, go cheer them <laughs> on. And, uh, so then my wife went out there and, uh, it's cool, you know, hearing everybody's perspective of the day after it happened, that was probably one of my favorite things is just like Tingway was like I saw your parents and that like you know kind of motivated me and um and getting text updates from all them and then at the same time trying to get people get everybody on social media riled up because up until three o'clock I was like I can still play today I can still play today I just kept telling myself they might let me play by myself I haven't tested positive they might let me go out and play at three o'clock you never know because uh, I could have finished around in probably three hours if I played by myself and uh, just behind the whole uh, wave of players. And so, anyways, but <clears throat> it, it it worked out just like it was supposed to, and, and the guys went out there and played absolutely uh, phenomenal and did everything that we learned and, and grew together and saw uh, as a team throughout that whole that whole year. So it was awesome. It was a great story, and, and you kind of punctuated that with a, a good uh, your good play at Nationals at Greyhawk the next week. You finished eighth as an individual, and the team was very competitive. So great story, great story of uh, guys overcoming. You know, your best players out of the lineup, I mean, you know, conventional wisdom would say, okay, they're done. They're not going to be able to make it, and yet those guys overcame that. And, and, and I think coach, – Go ahead. Yeah, I think, like – I mean, I know what you, we played with y'all that day. I'm pretty sure you did. And you did. So just like, I mean, the support from y'all like that. You don't think about that helping, but it's like kind of like my friends at the USAM that were just cheering me on. Like, you know, everybody at Carson Creek, they were like, it just seemed to me looking from afar. You can tell me if I'm wrong, but it seemed like every team there was like, we want Sam Houston to make it, and then we're all going to compete for the other four spots. Was kind of how the way like. You know, I just heard of so many great stories of just support from teams and coaches. And, uh, like, for example, the UCLA coach, uh, he had an individual and he saw like me loading up with my parents for them to drive me back. And, uh, and he's like, Congratulations. And I mean, just, you know, you could just tell that I don't know that that support really, I think, helped 
just the whole story and situation, you know? Yeah. Great story. Uh, great. And, and honestly, you had a top 10 finish at nationals the next week, which wouldn't have happened if your teammates hadn't come through and Brant, your coach was national coach of the year, which had never happened at Sam Houston either. So really good story. Great way to end your career. Uh, even though it was a, an odd way to end, but like none of this has been normal today that we've talked about. Yeah. All of this has been a little different. Yeah. Well, Let's get back to then your situation currently, which is injured, injured reserve, waiting to get back into the game, going to hopefully be at tour school in the fall. So with that, doubt creeps in. You begin to question the future. There's some uncertainty. You're not positive about what's going on, you know, this risk. So talk to me about how your faith, which I know is important to you, has kind of gotten you through this time. Yeah, I mean, I think um... – with with the doubt and and career fears it doesn't bother me that much because um i even i mean i, I want to play professional golf and I, I love competing but it's not what i want to do forever at, at first it was a, a means of you know i want to be on tv and you know i want to be playing the best golf courses and i love golf and and then now it's more of i love competition um i feel called to do this i've i've you know, even after the, um, the national championship, I, I prayed, you know, like what, what does the Lord want from me? Um, and when I first started playing, uh, college golf, when I really, uh, started my relationship and walk with, walk with Jesus, I I prayed like, if this isn't for me, God, I don't want to know it until after college. I just did not want to have this, uh, college experience where, I just, you know, didn't really want to be there and stuff. And so I think wrestling with those thoughts of what, where I'm called and what I, what the Lord wants for me, um, I think kind of gave, gives me peace now because it's like, I might make it to the PGA tour and be called to do something else. And I'm fine with that. Um, because I know wherever the Lord has me, it's going to be the best for me, for my wife. Like Jesus, he promises life and abundantly he doesn't and an abundant life in in the context that he's speaking in is not a life of money and fame and you know um all these you know earthly abundant things you know it's not being a millionaire an abundant life is is to me a fulfilling life and i think if you're walking in his will you will have that so um i think that kind of settles me with the career because i don't know if golf's for me i want to my desire is to make enough money to play playing golf that i can then um do something in some other sphere but i can invest i can invest that money but mainly give me the financial freedom to um raise my kids when i have kids and um be at home with my wife and then minister to others around us in in whatever area that we live and so um that that's my desire you know i, I see myself playing for for I, I don't know what i don't know what the lord has for me i might it might play forever you know uh and and that's and that's fine wherever he wants me he'll have me um but my my personal desire right now is is to be able to get on the pga tour and and be able to fund um other, other things where I can be intentional and raise my kids and, uh, you know, 
be be a, be a, almost a stay at home dad, but I want to be doing something, but uh, just something where I have a lot of freedom in in schedule and stuff. And so, I know that's kind of a long winded answer, but I think that just me being okay with hey, this might not be forever, uh, helps the situation. I miss the competition. I worked golf camp last week and I played one handed, and I played from the up tees, and I'm playing this 11 year old with the biggest mouth i've ever seen i mean he's just a little talky kid and i almost all i lose by two and i'm on the last hole and i'm a hundred out and i'm hitting a 50 degree one-handed and i'm just thinking i'm gonna make this you know i'm gonna uh and, and my heart's beating and like like it was in a you know in a professional event when the when the crunch time's there and so um that's what i really that's the things i love about the game uh, and, and the things I miss is that, that competitive being in the moment and, um, and all that, that pressure that comes with it. That's what I really enjoy. Well, it sounds like to me that your faith gives you the ultimate peace of mind so that all of this is going to work out anyway. So I love, I love hearing that. Yes, sir. It, it definitely does. Well, and that's the thing about, I mean, I listen to a podcast called unashamed with, uh, with the Rooksons and uh, you know, I mean, that's the beauty of having Jesus is like, it doesn't matter who's the president or what happens in this world. Like if you have Jesus, you know, I mean, they could kill me and, uh, and I'm sure that would be tough for me and my wife, but Hey, like I have, I know the Lord and uh, the, the creator of all, and that, that is above all. So, uh, you know, I think it just gives you, that peace and perspective in, in every walk of life. Well said, and thank you for that perspective. All right, we're going to end on a speed round. And so I'm just going to ask you about seven or eight questions. Do the best you can. You ready? Shoot. All right, favorite pro golfer and why? Oh, uh, Webb Simpson, because he's a believer. Love it. <laughs> Best barbecue in Crockett, Texas. I support my own. Say that again. Uh, Memsies. Memsies. It's 21 in the state. It's great. Memsies barbecue. George Strait or Luke Bryan? Oh, George Strait. Come on now, Coach. Ask me something hard. <laughs> no. I just – I want to make sure – I want to make sure that you've got your wits about you and you're thinking correctly and you are thinking correctly. Yes, sir. I'm so I'm sober minded. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Favorite pro sports team. Favorite pro sports and Cardinals. I'm not hey, a Cardinals. sports watcher, but that's my that's my team. If uh that's the only one I mean, I don't care who wins the Super Bowl or the finals or whatever. I just you know, I root for the Cardinal. Very good. How many times has your sister Ann beaten you at golf? Mm, two or three. And then uh, once it happened a couple times, I, that's when I started taking note of that. I was like, <laughs> either, the only way I can beat her is I got to work harder than her. So very good. Well, that's motivating. Um, favorite very course. Much so. Favorite course you'd love to play but have never played? Oh, favorite course I'd love to play but have never played. I would 
I would probably say St. Andrews. I just want to go over there and play. Maybe you will in the Open Championship one day. All that right. Sounds, yes, all right. That's right. So you've got a chance to either win a Masters or 15 PGA Tour events. Which is it going to be? Mm-hmm. Right, what do they pay out in Masters? <laughs> I didn't know this was a financial thing. I don't know. I mean, I'd probably take the Masters because I like this bull rider, and he always says, I don't ride to win. I ride to be remembered. And I was like, I like that. But I'll take either, but probably the Masters. Okay. And final question, your dream foursome, you and three others, who are they going to be? Ooh, dream foursome. Mm. I'm going to go with the people I – I, they asked me this question, who would I want to eat dinner with? I get three other people. And I'm going to go with Jesus, Jace Robertson, and I said this Christian rapper, but I'm going to change him up because he probably doesn't play golf. Um, and let's just go with uh, – I got no clue, man. I got no clue. French Chan, I guess. I don't know. Somebody okay. cool. <laughs> All right. Well, that looks like a good fortune to me. Well, William, I appreciate it very much. Uh, you spending time with me today. I love you sharing the stories about your career. And, and I know your career is not over. When you get that wrist healthy, you're going to be back playing again. And we look forward to following you. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We'll stay in touch. And uh, if you ever need a tip on Whispering Pines, give me a call. <laughs> <laughs>